0: welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Let's start with trying to make some sense of Virginia's narrow win over Northeastern on Saturday. Then we'll get you ready for Memphis tomorrow night uh, in the FedEx Forum. Chris Graham here on the podcast. And uh, we'll start with the eking out the narrow win, 56-54 over upset minor Northeastern on Saturday. And man, you know, if if you followed me at all on my live game coverage uh, on AFP, you know my thoughts. I, I thought Northeastern should have won the game. Uh, I thought they were going to win the game the way they played. Now, this is a Northeastern team that came in, ranked 212 in Ken Palm, 318th best defense in the country coming in, and uh, they held Virginia in check. You know, the 54 part is not surprising. Uh, Virginia actually improved in the Ken Palm defi- uh, defensive efficiency rankings uh, with, that, with that effort, um, but uh, offensively, Virginia's struggling mightily um game came down to well it it was it was a 30-24 game at the half northeastern led by as many as 10 actually as many as 12 in the first half now that i think about 16 to 4 at one point amazing uh how that one went virginia came back and took a brief lead in the first half and then northwestern northwestern I, i'm doing what tony did in a post game northeastern closed on a 12-4 run to go up six at half and then made it a 19-4 run after you know starting the second half with a 7 nothing spurt. It was 37-24, uh, two minutes, four seconds into the second half. And, man, I, that moment, I thought, was, I thought a blowout was on. Virginia was just – it seemed like – you know, I, I always hate to say this because some people will say it didn't look like there was any effort there, any fire there, any intensity there, but there wasn't much. Uh, Tony Bennett had intensity, but his players just seemed to be in doldrums. Um, kind of sleepwalking through the game um the timeout that Tony called there got some things in check Virginia actually got back in, in in into the game um from there chipped away not necessarily a big run to get back into it kind of just chip 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 got the game close um and then won in the final minute um a pair of free throws from Reese Beekman tied up with 52 seconds to go a runner in the lane banked off the the glass with five seconds to go to, to clench it Virginia got a stop on the last possession. For Northeastern. And so uh, this was just one, you know, Virginia, 39.3% shooting from three coming in, just two of 14. Isaac Benelli with a couple of makes uh, in the middle of the second half, and that was it, two of 14. Uh, Also 11 of 22 on uh, shots at the rim. You know, 50%, a team that coming into the game was just under 60% from shots at the rim. Gave up a lot of looks to Northeastern, 15 of 22 at the rim. Chris Doherty, the the six seven undersized northeastern center, uh, northeastern ran its offense through him, uh, sort of a point center kind of thing. Reminded me of the way Wisconsin played through their big guy Stephen Crowell. Um, and um, Doherty, ten points, or excuse me, twelve points, nine rebounds, five assists. I didn't put in the any of my game stories. He also had six turnovers, but uh, you know he had five assists, and I would give him a credit for a few other, as we call them, hockey assists where he made a pass that didn't lead to the pass that led to the basket. Uh, and uh, it, just, it was tough to get stops when they needed them, and also on offense, uh, just, just so much frustration. It was such a frustrating day that Reese Beekman, who is among the uh, least greedy guys that you'll ever see, a four-year player, an NBA prospect who, who just doesn't shoot a lot, career-high 18-shot attempts from the field. His previous career-high was 13, so... I mean, he he ratcheted that up big time because Beekman was the only guy that seemed to be aware of the urgency of the moment or at least w- was willing to step up to the urgency of the moment. He had 21 points and five assists. I mean, he leads the team in scoring and leads in assists. Um, post-game, you know, there were the usual sort of silly questions from from media members. Uh first one was, was this the exam break kind of re- rearing its head? Virginia hadn't played since December 5th, but, hey, Northeastern hadn't played since December 6th. They had a long break, too. <laughs> the exam break, not an excuse, and Tony Bennett wasn't having it. He did talk about a couple of injury issues over the break that limited. Uh, in fact, Elijah Gertrude was hurt, uh, was limited in practice, and then Andrew Rohde, the starting uh, two guard, uh, was sat out of practice, didn't practice for the, uh, for the for nine days of the exam break with a foot injury and then came in and started. You could see he was rusty. He had six assists but did not score, 0-5 from the floor, 0-3 from the line, even missed a free throw. Um, Tony's answer, though, to, okay, was this the exam break? Uh, He said, I think we weren't ready the way we needed to be, and that showed. Uh, As the issue with exams, he said, quote, I didn't go here. I don't pretend to. Okay, the drain is real for them uh, for finals, but we practiced well. I think there's a little rust on guys that had to sit out, but, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm too old and too far removed from finals and exams, but when you tip the ball up, you got to come ready to play. And that almost costs us, not the finals, but just not being ready. So message to his team through the media there. Um, as that game was playing out, especially as Virginia won the game, I, I, I observed during the game and then certainly did so after the game that this is the kind of game that is good to get under your belt, especially with the W. <laughs> it's not as good to get under your belt with the L. Um it's good to get game reps in pressure situations, uh, whenever you can. Uh, Virginia's last few had been blowouts: uh, Texas A&M one by twelve, Syracuse one by twenty-two, uh, North Carolina Central one by thirty. Uh, those are, I mean, it's good. It's good when you're hitting on all cylinders and, and go out there and you can play great and, and win a game easily. Get your get some of your bench guys some minutes and your your uh, GPA guys some minutes. But it's all you know. It's, you're going to have to win at least one game like this in March and probably many more than one we remember back to 2019, you got to win some tough games where things aren't going your way, uh, to, to be able to get through ACC tournament, NCAA tournament. And Tony, Tony talked about that too. He said, I thought it was important because, you know, the last few games, uh, we had a nice lead. It was a little, he said, I don't know what the right word is, but it was just, there was some separation. You kind of play easy. Um, and, uh, you know, the Virginia to this stage, nine and one record, uh, the, the Florida game was a tight one, three-point win for Virginia and Charlotte in week one. Uh, there was the West Virginia game down in um, Fort Myers, uh, also a 56-54 final score. And then uh, the loss to, to Wisconsin, Virginia lost that one by 24, was down big like they were in this one, got it back to five, and then uh, Wisconsin uh, had a nice run uh, and pulled away midway through the second half. Virginia never challenged again. This was one where, they got back in the game and and, and came back and won. So that's obviously Wisconsin's a better, better team. No offense to Northeastern, but Wisconsin's a better team than Northeastern. Uh, but um this was maybe an example of a lesson learned from the Wisconsin game. if you dig a big hole, you, one, you don't want to dig a big hole, but if you dig a big hole, um, you know, you you got it. when you get back, you got to keep the effort up uh and keep the efficiency up. So um it's good to get that under your belt. Uh, from an X's and O's perspective, what can Bennett and the staff fix? <laughs> I was asked this question. Scott German couldn't be at the game with me on Saturday, uh, and he was texting me. and I, I gave him a snarky answer at one point. He said, you know, what's going on? And I said, everything. <laughs> what's, go- what's going wrong? Everything. And he said, can they fix it? And I said, no, it's not fixable. And he said, why? Um, no, I, I didn't really mean they couldn't fix it. It's just it, it's, it was there were so many things going wrong that it's just hard to say what the fix would be. Um, two of fourteen from three I mentioned, eleven of twenty-two from the rim. Um, when I do the math, if Virginia does what they normally do uh in a game, uh they're 39.3% from three, 59.4% at the rim, uh, that'd be three and a half more threes and two more twos when I did the math there. So that's between 13 and 14 more points. A game they won by two. Uh you know, whatever you want to say from a math perspective, Ken Palm had Virginia favored by 17. You get 13 or 14 more points. You win by two. You're pretty much where you're supposed to be. You win by 16 or 17, 15 or 16 points. Lesson learned is the other guys aren't just going to give them to you. <laughs> uh, Tony's quote to that effect on offense, at least I didn't think we were accepting the challenge of how physical we needed to be on offense, setting cuts up and good hard screens. We kind of stood. And you know, at this time of year against better competition, it doesn't come easy. You got to have that mindset. And that was, that was. The, that was the big thing. Uh, Isaac McNeely could not get untracked. Uh, he uh, had been eight of 11, six of eight from three in each of the last two games for Virginia. Uh, two of 11, uh, uh, two of, he had a couple of threes. I think it was two of six from three in this one. Uh, just could not, could not get going. And he couldn't get separation. And that was the biggest thing. Um, Coach uh, Bennett tried to shake things up in terms of approach. Nothing seemed to work. It just, it was defense that really won the game, but on offense, you know, as, as Tony noted, you, we got a few base offenses he said that you sort of spend the dial and see which ones work. Um, You know, he's not just a mover blocker coach anymore. He's using triangle offense. He's, you know, where the largely the guards set screens for each other, the two guards set screens for each other sort of in, in the middle third of the floor. And um, I try to create some things there. Um, either either backdoor looks or or pop-out looks. Um that wasn't working. The high screen enrolls uh that were implemented. I, I really remember a lot of them last year. That didn't seem to free things up. Nothing seemed to work against the team that again defensively coming in was ranked 318th in the country in Ken Palm. And so um Virginia was marginally better on offense in the second half, 44.4%, uh, 1.143 points per possession. But, again, this is against a team that coming in was giving up 1.111 points per possession on the season. So all Virginia was able to do was to improve to sort of the mean that that Northeastern should give up to opponents. Um, on the defensive end, the struggles against uh, Chris Doherty, the 6'7 center, were, were frustrating. Uh, Freddie, I mean, Tony Bennett pointed this out. Uh, Northeastern really spaced the floor well. Uh, you know, they used their 10 games, their ten days off to to really game plan the heck out of this one. Uh, basically, Doherty, uh, as as Bennett said, he was a point center that backs down. His stuff was good. We went to trap the post early because we, uh, we weren't sure if we could guard him. And when Virginia doubled the post early, in fact, it was the first three of the game. Uh, it was a wide-open three after doubling the post early and they spaced the floor well, you know, um, and, and, and found guys, you know, and, and what often happens against the Virginia defense, the pack line defense is, you know, after a post double uh, the ball gets spun out and it takes a couple of passes to get to an open shooter. And by the time that happens, Virginia's recovered and, and, and they've got, they've got the perimeter, the open perimeter shots. It looks like it might be open when you see the ball moving around the perimeter, um, that guy is is not open anymore. Uh, Dory was such a good passer out of these things that he found the guy with the first pass. He found the open guy with the first pass. They didn't make all the shots. I think they were six of twenty from three, but you know they made enough that uh, it it then all of a sudden made it hard for you know Virginia to to even do the post doubles anymore. And he was able to score twelve points. I think it was six of nine from the field, and um, also found some cutters in the lane uh when when the the perimeter guys would, would would get uh coverage out there so i mean just to, just what happened early even at a, just at a 6 out of 20 from 3 uh northeastern was able to you know to get for, it's kind of like you know i mean just it, it, the the first couple things you see you, they stick with you all game long it may be even more so than something maybe a little a run of hot shooting late would do to you establish a tone and so uh, and credit to, to Northeastern for playing that one well. So uh, some lessons here. So a couple of things, mailbag questions. Got a couple of questions, one from text, one by email. The first uh, related to this game, uh, Virginia free throw shooting. Again, 10 of 18 in this game. Uh, three air balls on the misses. Uh, their Andrew Rohde had a chance to really finish the game off with less than a second ago. Missed the front end of a one and one Just everything that could go wrong did the question from uh reader ken wagner was uh compared to other top 25 teams does uva this season have a free throw shooting problem and if so what can that be attributed to um the answer is a quick quick answer is yes virginia you have a free throw shooting problem uh when i looked up the numbers ranked 290th in the country in free throw shooting percentage 67.1% and among the teams in the top 25, that's the worst by 10%. I mean, it's not, you know, the next team up is Florida Atlantic at 68.1%. And, uh, you know, the the numbers of attempts per game have been trending up. The 2018-2019 national title team averaged 15.7 attempts per game. But the 2020-2021 team, which you know notably had some, some guys, uh, that's the team that had Trey Murphy, pretty good nba player had sam hauser pretty good nba player jay huff who is going back and forth between g league and nba that team only averaged 11.5 free throw attempts per game that's just a Now they shot 81.6 but i just named some really good shooters there so no wonder um but they only averaged 11.5 per game this year's group is averaging 17 point, 17.0 last year it's actually down from last year last year was over 18 a game but still higher than even the national championship year that shows that the The guards are getting in the lane and setting up, you know, either themselves getting fouled or or hitting guys who are getting fouled. You don't get fouled shooting a lot of threes. Three-point shooters don't get fouled a lot. Um, So when I try my hand at the analysis here, some of the issue is the guys who are getting to the line. Freshman big Blake Buchanan, who only averages like 16 minutes a game, leads in free-throw attempts per game at 3.5. He's shooting just 57.1%. He had two of the air balls on Saturday, one for four from the line and, and two air balls. Ryan Dunn's next up. He averages three point three. Dunn should be getting fouled a lot. And he's a six eight. He's going to you know, be an NBA draft lottery pick this coming year. Uh, you know, dribble drives. He he posts up a little bit, but a lot, a lot on dribble drives. Averages three point three attempts a game, but he's only shooting sixty nine point seven percent. And he had one of the air balls on on Saturday. It's just inexplicable for him. He's such a good shooter. He should not air ball on a free throw. Should not be. 15 feet, you got 10 seconds. You're standing a lot open. There's no reason to not hit rim at least and not make 80% of them anyway. The team's best free throw shooters are Jake Groves and Isaac McNeely. Um, Those are two guys that um, they are your three-point shooters. Uh, They're your best shooters, but they don't get to the line as much. Groves just 1.3 attempts a game, McNeely 1.1. Groves shooting 84.6%, McNeely 80%. Beekman gets to the line a lot, uh, he's 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 averaging two point eight attempts per game. Like to see that number go up. He's a, he's sh- shooting shooting seventy eight point six percent. You want your point guard to be at least eighty. So just a little bit of work to do there to get up there. Like to obviously seem well over eighty. Um, so b- where we are now, more attempts for the team. That's good. Uh, the guys who are shooting them aren't the best shooters. Um, now. As for fixes, here's where I'm going to talk about myself, and I'm somewhat self-deprecatingly, but somewhat not. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> the only thing I can do in basketball, as far as basketball goes, I, I, I was a very competitive pickup ball player at UVA. I, I worked my way in as much as I could with uh, the men's and women's teams in their off seasons. The football team in the off season, football players often thought they were they were just. You know, basketball players who who missed their calling uh, at, at UBA, at least. I'm sure that's probably the case in college athletics across the board. I can shoot the ball. Couldn't play defense. I'm 5'11 ish, six foot ish. So I'm not big. I'm not fast. I can't jump high, but I can shoot the ball. I got good handout coordination. I was the intramural free throw champion in, in spring of 1994. That's that's bragging about a lot right there. But intramural free throw champion. Got a t shirt. It, which has long since fallen apart, unfortunately, because that was like my sports prize <laughs> that free throw championship, and my name was on a, on the wall at Mem Gym, last semester. Um, so so this is something I know about, like from a from a from a hand standpoint. I'm holding my hands up here. Uh, free throws are a function of, in my opinion, focus and fitness. Uh, Buchanan and Dunn have good sh- shooting strokes. Buchanan can hit that that. 12 to 15 foot jumper off of a pick and pop. Uh, That's going to be something that's going to be uh, a bread and butter for him as his career evolves. In addition to, as he also, as he also gets stronger and can finish at the rim better. Uh, And we can see that he's good at creating foul shot opportunities. He's just got to make more of them. So he's got a good stroke. dunn has got a good stroke. He's not, we're not seeing it as much. I mean, he's, he's, I think he's four of 22 from three 69.3% from the line he's got too good of a stroke when you see him shoot it it's too good of a stroke to be shooting what he's shooting from both three and in his mid-range jumpers and then uh from the line but they got they got they got the mechanics they just you know, i think the focus is a law um so here'd be my advice i don't get to the games as much as as early as much as i used to i used to get to the game sometimes three hours early at home games uh, and, and, you know, we get there three hours early, you can only eat the pregame meal for so long. Um, and I would often, uh, you know, sit, sit at my computer in the press section. And <laughs> this is, this is how boring my life must be, but this is part of the job, I think. And I would, I would see who would be out there warming up, uh, and, and, and getting ready and that kind of thing. And, you know, it makes me think, I read a piece in the Athletic uh, over the weekend about Steph Curry and his pregame routine. And here's a guy who's shot the ball tens of millions—shot of shot a basketball tens of millions of times in his lifetime, um, including you know thousands just up the road from where I'm sitting. I, I'm sitting in Waynesboro, Virginia, and he, his his dad Dell, who played in the NBA for 15 seasons, uh, grew up in Grottos, which is about 10 miles north, and uh, his his uh, grandmother. Lived uh, you know, in that area and and Steph and Seth would often as kids shoot on the hoops there at their grandmother's house um when they were growing up, when Dale would take them when come up from Charlotte to visit. Um, you know, Seth Steph gets out there and you know, he's out there three hours for a game shooting hundreds of shots. And and I I, you know, I don't get the sense that we're we're seeing that from uh, the guys here. And this is just part of the work ethic As as guys like Dunn and Beekman make their way to the next level. um, They'll, they'll learn that they've got to do that every day. Uh, You know, every day. Um, and so, you know, I would recommend getting out there and working on shooting free throws until it's boring. You know, you know, you got to develop that muscle memory. Um, muscle with muscle memory will come improve uh, shooting percentages. The other part, when I say so, I say focus and fitness. Fitness isn't just physical; uh, the fitness is a is a mental part. I mean, the hard part to in game free throw shooting, that shooting hundreds of free throws back to back doesn't do, is you're going from running up and down the court. You know, you're running through screens, you're you're blocking shots, playing defense, dunking the ball, whatever else. You go from that to all of a sudden, you know, the game stops you gotta stand there at the line they hand you the ball you got 10 seconds the whole world's looking at you and you got to you know you got to make the shot um it's it's a different skill than just standing you know if you're if you if you're shooting 25 free throws and you miss the first couple and then you make 20 in a row you know if you miss the first couple you're over for two in a game and so uh some of this is is just the when I so it, it's the mental fitness you know you've got to be able to do something different you got to be able to go from breakneck running up and down the court pace to breathe focus and then let the muscle memory take over so you know maybe a consultation with a sports mental fitness expert uh, you know they uh, they call them sports psychologists but you know more and more i'm getting into this sports mental fitness expert consult is 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 feeling like that's the that's the way to go so that's my rant on throw <laughs> shooting Thanks for indulging me here. Um, the other the other mailbag item was from uh, regular um, contributor Brian uh, Hagan. Got to meet Brian at the game uh, the other day for the first time. We've been emailing back and forth for years. Uh, he said, from high atop his perch uh, in Section 306 on Saturday night, uh, he noticed a few times that Tony Bennett showed some fire. Uh, and, you know, maybe that's something this team needs. And... Um, you know, maybe that's going to be the kind of thing that can help give this team a little nudge. And I think and I certainly saw it. He was trying to wake his team up. Um, One thing I'll say is that the players have been telling us for the last couple of years that they've been seeing more fire out of Coach Bennett in practice. Uh, and, uh, you know, the guy that we see on the, on the floor uh, under the big lights isn't the guy that they see. They see a guy who's got a lot... A lot to say to them, a lot of direction and, and can sometimes, you know, really raise his voice and get their attention. And that's a good thing. And now we're starting to see it more, you know, under the bright lights. Um, Putting on my armchair psychology hat, the there may be a reason why things are different could be that, you know, he misses the feeling we all miss from 2019, you know, 2019 national championship. We all want to get it back too. And he certainly does. It's been a few years now. And, you know, one thing that it, it this whole you know thinking about that reminded me of is how COVID changed the world. COVID robbed Virginia of the chance to even defend that national title if you remember. And not only that, but you know it it, it would you're the best year you of recruiting should be, you know the the best years of recruiting should be right after a championship. And I mean, the world changed, and it's just now getting back on its footing in in that sense. And so we didn't get the recruiting advantage that we could have gotten and should have gotten out of a national championship. I'd say the same thing for football, football night, 2019, nine and three regular season ACC championship game, orange bowl. And look, the coach who did that was gone in two years, two, five and a five and five and six and six season. And he decided he just quits. It was two, you know, those two years were too much to go through. And so, yeah, COVID, COVID changed a lot about the world and this certainly didn't help UVA sports. So, um, but more fire out Tony. Well, we'll take it, right? Quick preview now as we're wrapping up the show. Memphis getting ready for uh Memphis tomorrow night, seven o'clock tip on ESPN two. Um Memphis is not Northeastern, no offense to Northeastern, but Memphis is 33 and Ken Palm. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament almost certainly. They've won three straight since losing a uh, back-to-back games to Villanova and Ole Miss. They uh uh beat VCU in overtime in Richmond, Texas AM, a team that we beat. We, Virginia, we're all we. And then, they, and then uh, uh, Memphis beat Clemson over the weekend, a ranked Clemson team. So Coach Penny Hardaway, sixth season. I had to look this up. He's only been to two NCAA tournaments. Interesting. I mean, I, I would have expected that given their high-profile recruiting, that you know he'd have been in four or five or, or whatever, but uh, only just the two. And only won one ten- tournament game to this stage. I'm, I'm really surprised at that. Two matchups to watch in this game. This should be fun. Uh, this is a chance for Ryan Dunn and Reese uh, Beekman to make some money. They're playing in an NBA arena, the FedEx Forum. David Jones is Memphis's leading scorer, uh, 6'6", small forward. He will be guarded by Ryan Dunn. The, the relevant numbers here, Jones averages 20.3 points per game. He shoots 45% from the field, 38.5% from three. Dunn on the other side, uh, so, so Jones averages 20.3. Dunn, Dunn allows the guys he's guarding to score 3.2 points. <laughs> Dunn's a pretty good defender, and uh, Jones shoots 45%. Dunn allows opponents to shoot 18.8%. That, that'll that be a matchup to watch just on the defensive side there. The other is is kind of similar. Uh, the Memphis's point guard, Javon Quinterly, 13.7 points, 4.9 assists. She's forty-five point four percent from the floor and 30% th- thirty percent from thirty point four percent from three. Beekman's opponent counting numbers five point two points per game, twenty-six point two percent field goal shooting. So, chance to make some money for those fellers. Uh, you know, if there's going to be NBA scouts in the house, uh, and they're going to watch those two matchups. I mean, looking back, uh, Jones um, had twenty-two points uh, in the win over Clemson. He had twenty-nine points in the win over Texas A&M. Quinterly had 17 points and 6 assists, and the win over Clemson, 24 points against AM. and m So um, those, those are the money matchups right there. Uh, the Tigers aren't great from the perimeter. They shoot 33.5% from three. They do get a fair amount of their offense in the paint. 42.6% of their shots come in the paint, and that's in the top third nationally. And they're pretty, pretty efficient there. Like Virginia, they're around 59% from one shot at the rim. Uh the big difference in this between these two is tempo. That's often the case in Virginia games. Memphis averages 73.6 possessions per game, 19 of those possessions in transition. Virginia averages 61.7 possessions a game, 7.2 in transition. But basically the difference is transition. When you do the math, there it's it's about 12 possessions per game difference and about a 10 possession or nine possessions per game difference of that is is um is transition. Virginia wins the tempo battle. You know they're not. We're not going to have a seventy-five possession game unless it goes to quadruple overtime. Um, So the winner of this game will be the team that uh, is better in the half-court offense. And these two teams are pretty comparable half-court offense-wise. Just a slight advantage to Virginia uh, when you look at points per possession in half-court, according to Synergy Sports, to Virginia and very slight. Um, The one advantage to Virginia. That's more than slight. Both these teams are really good defensively. Memphis is thirtieth in the country in Ken Palm. Virginia is second in the country in Ken Palm. So, uh, throwing it back in the direction of Memphis, though, the last thing uh, as far as these these numbers go, a home court advantage, obviously, um, and FedEx Forum, uh, Memphis does a good job there. They they uh, actually uh, Ken Palm gives Memphis a three point eight point advantage for home court advantage. So. Um, and this, and I would add a smidge extra to that because this is Virginia's first true road game. Uh, and it's kind of amazing that we're right before Christmas and just getting that first true road game. So that should get you ready for Memphis. Uh, that game is tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Um, all this information, all these things I've talked about are are also stories on the website. So if you're watching this on YouTube, watching it on Facebook, listening on the podcast, and you want to, you know, get more details uh, about what I've talked about. It's all right there, AFP, AugustaFreePress.com. If you have any questions for me, please feel free to drop me a line uh, at Chris at AugustaFreePress.com.